All right, guys, welcome. We are so glad that you are here tonight with us. This is my husband, Jeff, if you haven't met him before. Hello, hello. And um, so just so you know, we're going out live on a couple different platforms here because we really are passionate about this message. And so um, we're going to go live on Zoom. We're going live on Facebook. And then we're also filming it so that we can have a clean copy of this to share with people who were not able to come and join us live. All right, so before we begin, I'm gonna ask you a question just because I wanna get some understanding. I had sent out an email um, suggesting that people listen to a sermon by Tim Keller called The Centrality of the Gospel. Can you just, do you guys, if you're on Zoom, if you can chat in, and um, let us know if you had a chance to read that. And on Facebook, listen. go ahead and put some comments. Yeah, if you had a chance to listen to it. And I have another phone here that I'm going to be on Facebook with so that I can see you guys as well. So we're just like so technology right now. <laughs> People keep showing up. Good, this is, this is good. good. Yeah, so we're glad. Yes, I listened to the sermon by Tim Keller. Okay, good. Amanda, awesome. Good, good, good. And I'm just going to get this one ready. And we're going to get started because it is... 701. We are just being the epitome of punctuality today. All right, there we go. Comments. All right. No worries, guys. If you have not had a chance to listen to the sermon, you know what? You can do it later. Okay? Yeah, it's a great sermon. It's though. a great <laughs> sermon, and we're going to be um, using some information from that sermon as we're talking today. I was just curious as to if you guys had a chance to do it. All right, so. I think we're going to get started. Okay. All right. Yes, we watched and read Romans. Good, Rebecca. Oh, good. good. Yeah. All right. Listen to it. I listened to it. Some of it. Awesome. Yep. Okay. Can everybody hear us okay as well? Give us a nod on Zoom if you can hear us okay. Yep. Thanks for that thumbs up. Appreciate it. Good, good, good. All right. So before we begin, most importantly, I'm going to open us in prayer, and then I'll kind of set the scene for what's about to happen, and then we'll get started, okay? Let's do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Heavenly Father, we are, this is a, just a moment I'm so thankful for technology, because you have put um, this message on Jeff's and my heart, and we're just so grateful that we can share it with others. Your word is life-changing. It's changed us in such big ways, and um, I am praying desperately, God, that your spirit just speaks through us like we don't want this to be our words god we want what we share to be your words help us to, all of us who people who are listening and all of us who are speaking that we just clear our hearts and our minds so that we're um ready to hear from you you can speak uniquely into each and every person here god you know our hearts you know what we need and so we are just here expectant that when we're done with this session we will be different we will know you better and we'll be more convicted as to what the gospel message is and what it means to our lives. So thank you so much. We love you a ton, and um, I'm appreciative of everyone who's here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Okay. okay so here's the plan, guys. Um, Jeff is going to start off and just really clarify, like, what does the word gospel even mean? Mm. Then, what is the gospel message? Mm-hmm talking about Old Testament, New, and all that, and then I'm going to dive into a little bit more about what that message then means to our life. Okay? Y'all good? I'm good. Kick it off. Should I go? You should go. Okay. <laughs> all right. So here's the deal. 
gospel, very interesting word. It originally came from a Greek word, two words actually, ou, E-U, angelion, ou angelion. And it meant good news. And its original application was from either the Greeks and or the Romans when a new king was born or was appointed to leadership. And so it would be, hey, good news, we've got a new king. We've got a new, uh, we've got a new Caesar. Remember, there are many Caesars, uh, Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar, all these other Caesars, or even Nero. Any time that a new king came into leadership, they would send the good news, ou-angelion. What's interesting about angelion is that word is built on the same word of angel, which is a messenger of God. So the U was good, and it was a good message. And so what you have is the gospel isn't just, here's how you get to heaven. The gospel in the early days was an announcement that we've got a new king. Jesus is the king. He is the ultimate king, and he has arrived. And his kingdom starts now. When Jesus said, the kingdom is here, the king is among, kingdom is among you, he was talking about himself. And so the gospel is an announcement of a new king, but it's also good news because Jesus broke down all of the old uh, Jewish traditions where you had to jump through a bunch of hoops to get reunited with God through him. So it's super good news because it's really easy to get connected back to God. And that's our modern gospel the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's when when you, people used to say like, Evangelion Caesar, like the good news, it also meant that you were willing to submit to and obey. Yeah, yeah. Is what it meant. You were saying this about the new king. And I thought that, I don't know, did you guys know that? Because I only learned that Evangelion thing about maybe two, three weeks ago. And I thought it was so cool that it was a word that the people of the time were already accustomed to and had heard. And yeah. so when it was said, Evangelion, Jesus, like he is Lord, that was like they understood what that meant, that this, oh, he is the new king. And if you look at that word, remember it was E-U, Evangelion, change that U to a V, and you have Evangelion, which is the root of evangelism, telling people about the new king, not just how do you get into the kingdom, but that he is the king, and he ultimately is going to reconcile everything back to himself, starting with us. That's good news. Yeah, so that's just a little bit of the history of the, the word. And then, um, Jeff, go into a little bit more about, oh, thanks. For I have to, I'll be the receptionist, and <laughs> admit some people here from the waiting room, there we go. Yeah, guys, Zoom has this new thing where you have to have a waiting room or a password, we chose waiting room, and so we have to keep admitting people in who are in the waiting room, so. We're dealing with that. Glad you're okay. here. Yeah, so if you just joined us, guys, we just got done saying that Evangelion is the word um, for, oops, good news. Let me just hit one more person. Um, mm -hmm. For the announcement of a new king. Sorry, that's what it means. And now I wanted Jeff to go into a little bit more about, um, more like what is, when we now hear gospel message or good news, what does it mean according to scripture and what Jesus did? Yeah, so, I mean, basically the, the, the bad news is, 
our sin, because we're imperfect, we cannot unify with perfection. That's God. There's, there's, some, there's this wall in between our broken selves and our perfect God. And Jesus came to break down that wall. He took the heat for all of our past, present, and future sins. And it broke down that wall, and it united us back to God. And the reason why it was such good news for the ancient Israelites is because in order to be unified with God, you had to adhere to 613 Judaic laws. And if you got 612 out of 613, you're still separated from God. And this is the beauty of Christ. Whether you're getting 612 or 12, Jesus bridges the gap. And so the, the process of becoming right with God, justified, reconnected back to him is so simple. So simple, it's such great news. No more jumping through hoops. No more laws. And in the Old Testament times, guys, you've heard, right? There was a sacrifice that people had to do in order to kind of have their sins forgiven. So the Old Testament was all about sacrificing an animal, and that would then cleanse you or take away, you know, cover up that sin. So God, from the very beginning of time, when he set up the sacrificial system, was always planning on having Jesus be the final sacrifice. Mm, that's the key. The final, last, it is finished one sacrifice, nobody has to sacrifice anymore. Just thank Jesus for his sacrifice. And I would think if you're watching right now and you've been in church a little bit, you have heard mm -hmm. part or all of that message before. But where I think we might be going into some, um, some discussion where it might not be what you've heard before is what does it mean to be saved? How does one get forgiven of sins? How does one get into heaven? All right, so this is where we're now diving into more of the gospel. And I'm going to start because I want to always start with scripture because this is truth right here. And as we were preparing for this discussion, and I had actually spoke to a group um, last week about the gospel, I was amazed by how many scriptures back up what I'm about to share for you. So although I'm going to share from Romans and Galatians, this is a message that you'll see over and over and over in here. So let me just read Romans 3, going from 23 to 28. For all have sinned, all, for sh all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet not now God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus, who has freed us by taking away our sins. For God sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to satisfy God's anger against us. We are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed his blood, sacrificing his life for us. God was being entirely fair and just when he did not punish those who sinned in former times, and he is entirely fair and just in this present time when he declares sinners to be right in his sight because they believe in Jesus. I think it said it several times there, right? Yeah. How are we made right? Believing yeah, in, in Jesus, Jesus, right? Okay, I want to go on and read now just some more. Galatians 2, 16. 
Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Guys, you can't you, earn it. <laughs> you can't earn it. And you can look in scripture and see this over and over, like I said again. I love in Galatians 1.4, when it actually says that Jesus came to rescue us. And that word rescue is big, guys. All right? If you're drowning, drowning? <laughs> drowning. <laughs> drowning. If you're drowning and someone's coming to you, they're not about to try to teach you how to swim at that point. They are going to do whatever they can to save you. And so Jesus, he came to rescue us, but he also came to teach us. But he started out mm -hmm. with straight up rescuing us. You know, the, the other thing I think that makes it such a good news is not only is it easy, you just trust mm -hmm. God, but the knowing that behind this whole plan that God is head over heels in love with each and every one of us and so desperately wants us back into communion with us that he put this together. This wasn't a plan B for him. It's like, oh no, what am I going to do? Adam and Eve sinned and now what do I do? This was his plan all along. And it's all based on this incredible amount of love that he has for us. And then he reveals his son and says, here it is. We're back. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And I think the thing that people struggle with, they say, well, what do you mean I, I just believe and what about works? Don't mm -hmm. I have to change the way I'm living and all of that? And so first I want to bring up the story of Jesus when he was on the cross and there was, um, there was a man next to him, right, who was a criminal. And because he said he knew that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus said, you will be in heaven with me. Today. He didn't, today. He didn't, today. He didn't have a chance to go and do good works or anything like that. So if you listen to the sermon by Tim Keller, and I again, I highly recommend it because here's one thing. I, Tim Keller's guy, my go-to man. And it was kind of funny because... <laughs> it's kind of funny because I was listening to this kind of... Uh, these comedians kind of doing a spoof on Christianity by comparing it to fantasy football. And they were all trying to pick like the pastor who dresses the best, the one who has, you know, well, they were coming to a place where they were saying, who, which pastor is the most scripturally sound? And they all like, the, the actors were like, oh, I get Tim Keller. No, I get Keller, you know. And so these guys were kind of playing a spoof on it, but they were all agreeing that Tim Keller is very scripturally sound. So I love to go and listen to him. He's got a great website timkeller.com where you can put in a topic and you'll see sermons to go along with it. But I want you to know that this sermon, the centrality of the gospel, I have probably listened to over the last couple of years seven times. And it's amazing to me how much I need to be reminded of what he says in this because it's so important. Because and he said, he goes, in all my years in talking to people about the gospel message, very few actually understand it. Many are living what he called in the wrong order. So here's what that means. This is the order. This is the correct order, okay? Put your faith in Jesus. You're saved. Because your heart is overwhelmed with gratitude and love, your actions change. 
Here's the wrong order. Believe in Jesus and what he did on the cross, obey the laws, change your behavior, and then you're saved. And this is no small difference. Mm -hmm. This is radically different. And let's talk first of all about wrong order living. So if you believe that you have to change your actions in order for you to be reconciled back to God, in order for you to get into heaven, it's stressful. You're wondering each day, was I good enough? Did I sin too big today? And God just, there's no way I'm gonna, if I die today that I could get in there. My works were not there. You know, again, picture two people sitting in church. Say Jeff is right order living. No, I should be right order, okay. No, I'll let you be. You're right order living, I'm wrong order living. We're both sitting in church, we both read our Bible, we both believe right. in Jesus, we both pray. But I'm here wondering if I was good enough to get to heaven. Not only that, if I start to perform acts of service, there's a good chance that I'm doing it for selfish reasons because I'm doing this act because I want God to accept me, because I want to get to heaven. It becomes more, much more self-centered than outward focused, and right? Anxious. 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 Was today good enough or not? Mm -hmm. You know? It's hard to live with that joy always when you're so in doubt about being good enough for God. Mm. And that is just, it will, it will change you guys because what happens then is you start to judge yourself. Like, was I good enough today? Then you start to judge other Christians. Well, obviously, I did better than him today, so if God's going to let one of us in, he's probably going to choose me because I know what that person did today. And you can become more judgmental. I mean, it starts to affect everything. And that's why Jeff and I, when I was kind of sending out messages about this talk, was like, this can be life-changing. This can really change it. It's real freedom. Jeff, talk about right order living and what that looks like. Yeah, so again, I, I think it's, you know, believe in Jesus, and there's a lot in that. And, and the, the, the big part is, I believe that God, at his deepest, most fundamental level, is what scripture says he is. He's love and spirit. And that he sent Jesus down to build a bridge back to him. And that that's all it takes. It's so easy, but we live in such a performance-oriented society where for most of us, the way that we've received love is by doing something good or well. And so we are conditioned to think the only way I could possibly receive love is if I behave according to some moral standard. And in the world, guess what? That's true. But in God's economy, it's not true. God, on, on your absolutely most despicable day, the day in your life that you did the worst thing ever and you just, you, you can't even bring yourself to recall that situation. God loved you 100% just as much, if you look back on your history, on your very best day as a good, quote unquote, Christian. His love doesn't change. And so believing that is step one. 
And the second you believe it, the second you believe it, you're in right standing with God. You, if you die at that moment, you are in the kingdom of heaven. And at the mo that moment, you can start enjoying heaven on earth. And then what happens is in that process of living in that reality of that freedom and that gift, you start to build this sort of fearlessness and this courage and the fruits of the spirit start to change in your heart. You become, all of a sudden you find you're more loving and you find you're more patient and you're kinder and gentler and, and more faithful and have self-control. And then your behavior starts to change. Well, the other thing too is when you believe, guys, the Holy Spirit comes into you. Yeah. And it is the spirit of God that lives in us that helps us to start change our behavior. Yeah. So to think that we would have to change our behavior before we're saved and can get the Spirit is kind of ridiculous to think. Because on our own, we're not going to change. But with the Spirit of God living in us, that is what starts to change us. So it's believe, get right with God, and then you, your behavior will start to follow. You will start to want to be the hands and feet of Christ, to serve the least of these, to share the gospel to visit the sick and the imprisoned. That stuff all flows as fruit of God's love for us. It doesn't, it doesn't earn a salvation, it just gives us a chance to participate in the distribution of God's love out to our fellow brothers and sisters. Yeah, the big difference, guys, also between the right and wrong order there. Right order, I go out and I serve others and my behavior changes from love because I know that I am fully loved and fully accepted that love is in me and I go out and I want to go and share that love wrong order is I am doing it for love whether it's to get God's love or the love of others I'm doing it for love and so that's that's definitely a big difference you know doing things because you are overwhelmed by what he's done for you. And you know, for me personally, like when I think about it, I mean, God sent his son. Any parents out there, right? I mean, if you are a parent, you know the most difficult thing to possibly do would to say, here, take my son and kill him, painfully and horribly. And I think as a parent, you know, God knew that would get to our hearts. Like, oh, I can't imagine that he chose that. And if he did choose that, that must mean he loves me an awful lot. Mm. And he thinks I'm worth it. Mm. And I start to think about that. And then I start to go, well, this plan of his from the very beginning of time is unbelievably amazing. And if he's that smart to put together this plan, I'm going to trust him with the other things he mm. has in here. If he says um, it's going to be better off for me to not gossip, I'm going to trust him. If he says don't lie, you know, don't have sex outside of marriage, all these things... I'm going to trust him because he just has, he's got his act together, I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> he is trustworthy. It's good news. It's an easy connection back to the Father. Michelle mentioned something else. The other good news is the moment that we believe, we're not just justified, we actually receive the Holy Spirit. Think about that. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave if you're a believer, you have that in you. That is good news. That's power, 
And that's wisdom and discernment and love that's residing inside of us. That's good news. The other good news is Jesus is eventually coming back. And so as messed up as the world may be now, we have hope. We have hope that he's going to reconcile everything to him, back to him. The other good news is, in the meantime, we get to partner with his spirit to advance his kingdom. Lots of good news. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I want to read to you guys just a quote from Tim Keller that I just really liked. It said, um, the moment you believe your sins are put on Jesus and his righteousness is put on you. He is treated as if he's done everything you've done. And in the same moment, you are treated as if you've done everything he's done. Mm. That's a lot. Will you let him out? So our dog <laughs> wants to go out because the other one's out okay. there. So all right, we're going to let him out. I'm going to read that one more time. The moment you believe your sins are put on Jesus and his righteousness is put on you, he is treated as if he's done everything you've done. And in the same moment, you are treated as if you've done everything he's done. Pretty powerful. So I, I want to say righteousness or being made right with God is received. It is not achieved. You receive it when you believe in what Jesus did. You can never achieve perfection and holiness and righteousness. You can never do it. Mm -hmm. But I want to go on now, guys, because the kind of the other side of this is, well, what about works? Like if, it, if they don't get you saved, do I have to do it? Is God saying, you know, how does that all tie in? And, and like we had talked about, when you get what Jesus did, you will be changed. You will have different desires and your works matter. They mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. They don't matter as far as making God love you more. They are a sign that your heart and your mind have been changed by this message. And so you should start to live differently. In fact, it says, I think it's in three different spots where Paul even says, like, so does this mean it's okay? Like, I can just keep on sinning? No, he says, of course not. That's not okay. So your works matter. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, our hearts should break for the poor because Jesus' heart broke for the poor. Our hearts should be outward focused on God, how can you use me rather than God, how can I use you for just for me? I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. really important that we get out and think about the works and what God has called us to do. What is Ephesians 2? Remember you had talked about that one, 2, 8, and 9? 2, 8, and 9. Yeah, um, so it's back to the original point. It's um, we're not saved. We are saved by grace through faith, not through works, so that no man should boast. And then what is Ephesians 2.10? 2 2.10 10 then says we are recreated. We are his masterpiece. We are his masterpiece, recreated in Christ to do good works that were planned in advance for us to do. And so good works are an outflow of grace. They're not a means of receiving grace. And in the, that outflow, there is often going to be some suffering and some inconvenience, and some going out of my way with self-sacrificial loving of others. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a great book called The Cost of Discipleship. And so the cost of discipleship is I'm gonna lay down my life for others like Christ laid down his life for me. Now that might sound like it'd be miserable, but it actually can be joyful that I can crucify 
my selfish desires and live to love and serve others. And that is the walk with Christ. Doesn't get you to heaven, but it, it gets you the experience of partnering with the Holy Spirit to advance the kingdom of God, this kingdom of peace and the kingdom of shalom that God is trying to reestablish on this planet and beyond. Mm -hmm. One more point, guys, that I want to make is, um, you know, we've used some words here like righteous and justified. Justified is, you know, it's all about being made right with God. Mm -hmm. There's another word, and it's sanctification. And sanctification is a process. This is not something that is done the moment we believe. Sanctification means to, to really, how I would say it is, to become more like Jesus, to live more like he did. And that definitely happens over time. And we will never be completely like him until we get to heaven. And so don't think if you fall into some bad habits and start to like, you know, do something that you know you shouldn't do. Well, am I even saved? If I'm saved, why would I, you know, do this? No, we're, we're always going to struggle. It's a, it's, it's a, it's tough. Like we're, we're a work in progress. Have you ever, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, aren't we, you know, it takes time to really let go of the old man, to let go of the old self and to become more like him. So don't question whether or not it means you're saved or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's Romans eight where Paul talks about, um, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And then he goes through all the things that can't separate us. Mm -hmm. So we are instantly justified, but eventually sanctified. And this is where the Holy Spirit transforms us, but we've got to cooperate with that Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is basically your mind, your conscience, and your will. When you, when you get there and you sense, wait a second, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me here or here. I need to cooperate with that. That our will starts to meld with God's will through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, and we need to be we need to stay responsive and discerning to that. So it's not all Holy Spirit; it's the Holy Spirit plus our cooperative desire to work and cooperate with Him. Mm -hmm. And then there's two scriptures that I think about when Jeff says that it's in Colossians one, might be twenty seven or twenty eight, and Paul says, um, "I work very hard at that." as I depend on Christ's mighty power that lives within me. Yeah. So again, it's we have a role to play, but we have to depend on Christ's mighty power that lives within us. And then the other scripture that came to, verse, to my mind while you were saying that is in Galatians 5. It's right before um, Paul shares the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, and all that, that will come out of the Spirit living in us. It says in there that our mind is a battle zone, mm -hmm. that we have our old self and we have the Spirit. And those two voices can definitely battle mm -hmm. and we have to make a choice of which voice we're going to to choose to listen to yeah this is a really important point is i mean if you believe in a loving god you've got to understand that there's still evil in the world god arranged it he he gave dominion to the earth to satan for right now if you know exactly why please write me because thousands of theologians <laughs> Have, have had difficulty figuring this out, but the fact of the matter is evil still exists. And the last thing Satan wants is men and women like you on fire with the love of the Holy Spirit in their heart from God through Christ making a difference in this world. And so Satan is going to try to accuse you of being unworthy. You're not really saved. You're not a good Christian. 
you, who are you to blah, blah, blah? And he's going to put so many defeating thoughts in your mind. And he's going to get you distracted with shiny objects. This is a spiritual battle. Satan does not want you and I to be warriors of goodness. He wants us to be warriors. He wants us to be cowards to fear. And so the, the trick here is super simple. Satan is crafty. He is not powerful. He is crafty. He is not powerful. All you have to do is say, hey, Satan, guess what? Not today. In the name of Jesus, out of here. I'm moving on. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to be living in fear that Satan's going to jump out around the corner. It's like, no, I'm living for Christ. I got Christ inside me. In the name of Jesus, you're out of here. I'm marching on. Simple as that. It takes mindfulness, not necessarily courage. It's the power of God that does the work. We just have to be mindful when Satan's trying to nip at our heel and trying to complicate the gospel message. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's um, in Galatians where Paul says, if anybody adds anything to the gospel message, which is you're saved by faith, it's no longer the gospel message. If you add, you know, back then you would say, oh, if you have to add, you have to be circumcised. That's not the gospel message. No, that's just false teaching. And so if you hear someone preaching on you have to do this and and anything is no longer, it's not the gospel. And so one of the things that spurred me on to really have this conversation with you guys is um, I was listening to Francis Chan and he was speaking to a group and he said, my fear is there's people sitting out here who are so afraid because they don't think they're saved because they're not doing enough. And then he said, my other fear is that people are sitting here so convicted because they're sitting in here that they are saved. And that's not what it's about. And it's the same thing. It's like if we sit here in fear that we don't know if we're saved or if we think that we're saved because of our good works alone or because we go to church, you're just missing out. And so, you know, I, as Jeff was saying, you know, it would be easy for Jeff and I to say, who are we to tell you this message? You know, we're just regular messed up people who are just trying to, you know. But why not us? And so that's why we just decided to sit here today and, and share this with you because we want you to leave here convicted and convinced that if you believe in him, you're saved. Mm -hmm. Let that change the way you live. And carry that message to others. I think this is a thing. I think so many people, I don't know what your church traditions are. Shell and I have had a, a long uh, tradition and um, more of a seeker-oriented early in our walk. And it got to the point where we thought that our job was to bring people to church to listen to a pastor share the gospel. But then we, what we realized is the church is designed to equip the saints to go share the gospel. We're supposed to be doing it. This is not that difficult. This is great news. You can all, you can all share what Michelle said. Here's the order. You know, believe, save, good works follow. What's so hard about that? So bring this good news to your friends. Freedom in heaven and freedom now. Yeah. The Bible says we have been given the task of reconciling the world back to God. Yeah. I think that's an exciting task. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Um, guys, if you have any questions, um, we'll keep the Zoom going for a little bit. Chat it in. Facebook, go ahead and um, comment below, and we'll take a look at those comments. Um, we're just glad you took time out of your 
your evening to sit here with us. Mm-hmm. And um, we'd love to answer your questions. So again, go ahead, chat stuff in. Um, but thanks. Is there something on the uh, Facebook? Yes, comments. Like? They can comment, but I can go answer can those later. Oh, later. Okay. I can just see. Maybe do you have any questions right now that you'd like us to address? Anybody there? Let's see. Somebody said, somebody said, can you post the Tim Keller quote? I can post that quote. Is that, um, and then I'll also um, give you, I'm trying to think how I can do that, centrality. If you go to YouTube and go Tim Keller with a K, centrality of the gospel, it will come up. Mm-hmm. On Facebook, I can post it in the comments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right, so I'm trying to see if there's any questions before we say goodbye. Anybody questions? Okay. Is somebody trying to speak there? Hey, thank you so much. Hey, oh. I appreciate it. I'm from Wisconsin. Hey. hey. Wisconsin. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Okay. And my husband, we met you, um, just not you, Jeff, but Michelle, on, in 2016. Oh. And um, did a workout with you. Oh, okay. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice to, nice to see so, you. It's, yeah. a little, it's a little blurry, so it's hard for me to see. We were, I just really appreciate it. I tried to do your faithful workouts and, and to do spiritual exercise with you is even greater. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much yeah. for being here. That's, Keep you in our prayers. Thank you. Thanks. We, we need that. That's for mm. sure. Should I pray for, to close? Yeah, let's close it with that prayer. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, Susanna. So, Father, um, yeah, I pray that Everything Michelle and I said is is truth. Uh, it's consistent with your truth. Um, and if there's something that we said that was wrong, that you would somehow interpret it in the minds and hearts of people correctly. I wouldn't put it past you to do that. And so I just pray, Lord, that this simple truth of your love, of your freedom, of your forgiveness... Um, just goes deep, deep, deep into the hearts and minds of everybody listening right now. And that sets them free. And it builds up great gratitude and it leads to their desire to share that message with others and to share your love, um, both with uh, practical needs and the spiritual needs of the broken world around us. So Lord, strengthen us, set us free, put us in the game, suit us up, um, and thank you for the privilege of advancing your kingdom. And I pray that everybody here is just blessed that wherever they are, whatever time zones, that they just go to sleep with this deep gratitude for your wondrous love. And at that, they wake up in the morning with a spring in their step, excited for another day to live in your love and to pass your love on. I just ask that that be a reality, not just a superficial prayer, Lord. It's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.